Good evening. You're listening to Pushing Boundaries with TNA. I'm T. And I'm A. And uh, we have a super exciting topic today. We do. Today we're talking um, about body posture and what body posture says about your emotions. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. We're, you know, we're all aware of the habits that conform with bad posture, right? Slouching, laziness, poor work setup, etc. But what is your posture really telling you? We'll be talking with biodynamics coach Carol Reynolds about the link between our emotions and our body and how learning body awareness can transform you and your relationships both in and out of the bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> so I, yes. well, I was going to say, I actually had the fortune of stumbling onto Carol's class when I was living in New York. And, uh, and it was truly transformative in the way that I was functioning in my day-to-day and carrying myself and the way that I was breathing and the way that I uh, carried tension, like all these places that I had back knots or whatever, I mean, all the ailments. Um, and it just opened me up to such a better place of being in a daily way. I can imagine. You know, the body is, I've always been very body aware and sensitive. I, um, I was a dancer, you know, throughout my youth and whatnot, and I'm a dancer still now. Not professionally, more for fun. Argentine tango, salsa, all that stuff. <laughs> mm, tea, tea comes with me <laughs> sometimes. Yeah. But um, like to boogie yeah, on the dance but, floor. I, uh, but, you know, tea, so this came about because you and I were in a hotel room together one morning and we were talking about our breasts. And, <laughs> and, and we started sharing these stories about how our breasts have impacted our posture over oh, the right, years, right? Yes. And um, I don't know if there's too much information. No, but go ahead. T, but so T was carrying hers, and she's more. She's oh right. She's T, and I'm, I'm A. So I'm. I have a very. I have a small chest. I have this modest. habit of. I'm really into wearing my bras and keeping them harnessed, if you will. And I find that a lot of women are not like they're very comfortable with just letting them be. And uh, and so it's been a source of it. It sort of accidentally leads to conversations because whoever's sharing a hotel room with me will see me like walk by <laughs> holding them. <laughs> and, and so and hence I I asked you what's Before going on time. with that. But you know, for me, like I don't have to hold my breast. But so T, you had mentioned how your like you your posture had changed I, because of this right yeah well i was sort of almost overcompensating um b- by pulling my shoulders back even more right um to keep them perky or no, up no i think just that i wanted to be balanced or something so i anyway i was pulling yeah i, I was almost like i was hyper aware of wanting to have good posture right so i was almost over rectifying <laughs> and then uh and then i have to say i mean carol's class was part of the evolution but centering somewhere more in the middle like not overemphasizing. right and then for you for me I, it was the opposite where my breasts are small so i would actually curve my shoulders and my chest in a little bit because i liked the shape that it gave my breasts i thought it was and it does it does uh, make them, I feel, look more shapely and for what little shape they can have. And um, and as opposed to, like, if I do maintain good posture, I feel like it makes me look smaller chested. Right. So but there's so much behind that, like, there is the so psychology of wanting to carry yourself a certain way to be perceived that way. And sure, sure. But, you know, I, I feel like when you Google or when you look at posture in women or people, this these are common things. People talk about the work setup and, you know, how, you know, habits can form a posture. But what really interested me about Carol's work and 
you know, you're studying with her tea is how like the, the deeper psychology that can happen with the body and the way we carry ourselves. And I know I hadn't, I, what's come up for me, I was literally walking the dog this morning and I realized that how uncomfortable it has become for me to stand on one leg. Mm-hmm. I, I don't mean like a flamingo. I mean like leaning m- the majority of my weight on one leg, like shifting. Right. Right. And I know in acting, it's like, a, it's taught not to do, you're taught not to do that, to right. really break that habit. And it's always been uncomfortable for me to try to uh, stand equally on two legs. I don't know why, but it has. Yeah, we've just learned to shift our weight. Right. And then, and so what I, I literally this morning dawned on me right before I came in. I'm like, oh, I get it. Like I've, the past couple of weeks I've becoming, I've become more and more comfortable standing on two feet direct. And when I tuned into the subtlety of what that message was telling me was that I felt like before when I'm standing on one leg, I feel like I'm standing either in judgment or I'm somehow, I somehow adopt a filter or something where some kind of attitude about my experience in the world or right. yeah, how, yeah, who I'm being communicating with. Physically, very much physically by what's happening energetically. Yeah. Or there's something not, something not quite direct or honest about my experience in that moment versus when I'm standing in two feet, it's really a direct, like so clear, honest thing. Let's check in with Carol and uh, <laughs> the expert. Well, you know, so interesting. Just this last thing that you said about standing on your own two feet, which is a phrase we, you know, hear uh, as we evolve in our shame-based system where we are taught to obey, not listen. Uh, but what was interesting listening to you is the um, objectification we learn to objectify ourselves around our our breasts. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. And and I've I've come to using this a lot in class now. You know, let go of this Victoria's Secret thing. There are no secrets. Everything's all out there in the window. <laughs> you know, um, and the and it's interesting. I just started a a, a new course last week, and and then a six week conservatory yesterday, and. For the first time in a while, when I ask, what do you want from this work or why are you here, uh, I, I normally hear a lot, oh, my posture is terrible. And I'm looking at someone whose posture is fine. Hmm. Uh, hmm. But it's um, an issue not of posture but of self-image. Right. And if you're in your head and you're trying to project and negotiate an image of yourself, you're not in your body. You're not feeling yourself you're not you know it's like living a virtual life (laughs) instead of a real one and um you look at um well let's say the definition of of posture is the position or bearing of the body or one of its parts a state or condition or attitude and posturing to strike a pose for effect Hmm. and and i think a lot of us get terribly involved in posturing, giving, um, putting out, as it were, uh, what our society uh, expects from us. And, I, you know, I kind of wonder lately what happened to the women's movement. <laughs> yeah. Um, actually- you know? I, it's almost, uh, I was, I'm embarrassed to share the story, but I'm going to, which is just, I actually started leaning back when in probably in high school based on some class that I was in about like 
models or you know something came up about models like being in acting and how they'll like swing their hips forward or something. and so then I had sort of started standing with my hips out more and leaning back in a way that's completely destructive for <laughs> for like healthy walking and really being grounded and and had I continued on that path like who knows what it would have done for my alignment um so just that's such an immediate representation of the consumption you know of like misinformation Right. Absolutely. You know, it's it's funny. Lately, I I think when uh, T when when you studied with me, I I don't think I threw this in because I've changed the work. It's all constantly changing. But you know, talk about the the neck where the the head is connected to the upper body, where you're connecting your mental energy to your body, and at the waistline. You're connecting your heart to your genitals, and you don't want to unplug that connection. And yet that's a pivotal place where we disconnect because when you lift your ribcage to stick your boobs out, you're um, literally disconnecting from your sexuality. And the bottom line is, we're sexual beings. We're male, we're female. So how we experience and express our sexuality is personal. It's none of anybody's business. And so on a scale of 1 to 10, whatever anybody's experience has been in terms of having their sexuality messed with, their sense of self is tampered with. And so one sense of self um, however wounded you feel around that, you then learn to put on a front. You front for yourself. Right. And it takes you... Yeah, go ahead. And so, so Carol, so, so maybe getting back into sort of a more definition of biodynamics and what you do, body. I feel like... Sorry, bi- body, body, body dynamics. dynamics. Um, yeah. What I feel like, it sounds like what your work does is helps get people back in touch with uh, maybe, I don't know, some of those, not necessarily directly with those traumas, but some of those mechanisms that have sparked this, you know, bad posture or carrying your hips or disconnection from your body in a sexuality way. So could you define that a little bit more, body dynamics? Sure. Um, Well, I trained as a bioenergetic therapist, and I was really lucky uh, to come in, not at the beginning, but pretty darn close with Al Lowen and John Paracas, who are no longer with us. But they started in 1956, they started the Institute for Bioenergetic Analysis, which is based on the work of Wilhelm Reich, who was the first psychoanalyst to involve the physical body in diagnostic work and in in doing deep-seated therapy work. Mm-hmm. And... So that training changed my life. I was a dancer at the time, but then as I taught dance, everything everything was affected by that. And so as I explained to somebody yesterday, this work, it's like a narcological dig because what I want to help you do is find out who you are in your own skin. And so if you've trained as a football player or you've trained as a dancer or what. Whatever you have imposed muscularly on top of yourself, 
you've had to train those muscles to deliver a particular um, technique. I'm I'm wanting to get under all of that and get to the person that developmentally what happens, we have experiences in our life that cause us to make adjustments unconsciously for survival to, to keep it together, whether, you know, in our historical familial environment. And, and so I usually say to everybody in the room, whatever anybody has been through, in your lifetime thus far, you've all survived because this room's not empty, mm-hmm. okay? We're all mm-hmm. here. Right. And I think the thing that makes people feel a little crazy in doing the work that I do with them is that you're quite right. In the process of the work, they often get connected to the specifics of trauma that has caused an adjustment in the musculature. So they're holding the muscles a particular way to avoid feeling something that's already over. It's already happened. So that's, to go back to finish what I said about what makes people feel a little crazy doing this work is that as the feelings come up, the feelings are real. Mm -hmm. They're just not reality anymore. Look around the room. Notice where you are. Remember what day it is, what year it is. But the feelings, feelings are both physical and emotional. Right. And the feelings are real. And you go, whoa, what is this? And might I add, though, that that I don't think um, you need to have a severe, quote unquote, severe trauma to have your body affected this way. I think we all. Not at all. I think, yeah, Yeah. we, I mean, every, if you watch people walk, everyone's gait is so unique, right? And so literally every, it's like a fingerprint. And I, I, to me, I, it's fascinating to study because it does indicate a person's history. Yeah. And can I say, I think in, in American society, we're in America now, I I think that there's a, a tendency to want to protect ourselves in the sense of, Right, like a fear of admitting trauma, right? So most people right, might yeah. go, well, what are you talking about? I don't have trauma. Like, I'm just, I lived a normal life. Like, I'm right. fine. I'm fine, right? <laughs> and they say, I'm fine. <laughs> um, but, but like, yeah, like, I can't say that I personally, you know, I haven't been to war. I haven't, you know, done certain things that would cause extreme stresses. I personally have not been sexually assaulted, these kinds of things that are more obvious Well, that's problems. why I say on a scale, scale of 1 to 10, Right. Well, um, okay. Well, what I find, you know, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> well, I was giving the, going to give the example of you go to the beach with the intention of getting some color. You want to, you know, you want to get a nice tan, and all of a sudden it is overcast and you're bummed out, and you go, all right, throw out the blanket, read the book, have the lunch. Wake up the next morning and you've got a sunburn. Right. You know, because in spite of everything, that sun came through, it got to you. And so sometimes there are, there are little hurts that people experience that cause them to feel defeated, so they slump. And if they hold on to that, it creates 
you know, as you said earlier in the show, it has an effect. It creates, um, well, if it were interest on an investment, it wouldn't be a good investment. Right. You know? Okay. Um, We're going to take a short break. Um, and when we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about the body's muscular defense system and uh, and how this relates to sexuality. Okay. Uh, we'll see you in a sec. Okay. When I'm shaking my hips, look for the swing that was off, written in the air. back with Pushing Boundaries with T and A. I'm T. And I'm A. And we're speaking with Carol Reynolds, the uh, originator of Body Dynamics. And uh, we're talking about posture and the body and how it's connected and can show you more about your emotions. The defenses we create physically, not even aware that we're doing them. So Carol, welcome back. Um, I wanted to, you you have a term on your website or, or well, part of your work is uh, you call the body's muscular defense system, which I think is an awesome way to define uh, what's going on. Um, And specifically, I'm really curious about your experience, and you touched on this earlier, about the body's defense system regarding sexuality and how this has shown up in various people that perhaps you've worked with or maybe you've seen trends um, but how how it shows up in the body and what that looks like and how we can be more aware of that. Well, I was thinking about since it's us girls, <laughs> um, and we going back to adolescence, uh, which probably nobody wants to do. <laughs> so Not <painful>. at all. <laughs> it's like, no, nah, I'd rather chew glass. Um, so, let's say you're shy. You know, everybody's got their own personality, their own experiences, um, and uh, you're starting to develop breasts. And and then you, you're feeling, you start to slouch a little bit because, wow, it's like, I don't know what to do with all of this, especially if you start to develop breasts that are on the generous side, and you're 11 or you're 12, and and then somebody gives you a good whack between the shoulder blades and says, "Eight, stand up straight." And um, you know, so what do you do? Think about that. So that's a real smack, and you make an effort to stand up straight. So what happens is the rib cage will lift the pectoral muscles will collapse in, which means your shoulder blades are going to be lifted high and and pulled out laterally to the side. It's totally what mine are which doing. Is, and which, <laughs> which, which is putting tremendous stress on your neck. 
end up in the occipital ridge at the base of the of the skull. And uh, if you hold that position, uh, which you will be doing, by the way, um, and you're not conscious of it, you're making this effort to be what that gym teacher or your mother or whoever thinks you should be standing up straight, and it's killing you, you know? And and over time, um, it wears you down. Well, but, um, but the solution well, isn't for them to slouch. I, I can't imagine. Well, like, sorry, I say them because I don't have big breasts, so I don't, <laughs> I can't relate to that experience. But well, I um, think I struggled with that. Yeah, finding that middle ground. So, is it is there? You're, are you suggesting there's a height? Like, we're getting guidance as to our posture when we don't really know. Like, what's the healthier way of doing that? Because it sounds right. You know. Yeah, exactly. Because I I I don't think we're necessarily easily allowed to evolve into being who we are, finding out who we are naturally. When because we do partnered work in the course, uh, and and I have to introduce at some point the issue of touch and teaching people how to come into their hands. But in our society, you don't hear many people say, um, parents say to kids, let me show you how to touch that. Let me show you how to touch things. We touch things differently. Some things are delicate, and some things, you know, we hear a lot of one two, if I get to three, we got a lot of hand slapping about not touching. Mm. So we're not necessarily comfortable with touching. And so that's one of the things that evolves in doing the course. uh, Because, you know, T, you know, I work not exclusively, but primarily with actors. Right. And you're in the business of touching. But to create presence, you want to be comfortable in your own skin. You want to be able to, you know, I usually say if I'm in the audience leafing through the program, I want to look up because all of a sudden I experienced your energy. I felt you walk on that stage. And so to to really create presence, you want to be comfortable in your body. So I talk about when I, I teach you to work on one another doing a specific move. Um, that's like that's like scene work. And if you and I are doing a scene together and then uh, we're told to do the scene with two other people, it's the same dialogue. It's the same scene. But it's going to be different because the energy and the, the spark between me with somebody else as opposed to to being with you is just it's going to have a different flavor it's like the same recipe but you know maybe there's a little more salt or a little more ginger or something yeah i and so on your well, so oh, go, ahead. go ahead well just on your you know on one of your videos online I, I really love that idea of you know your students are learning to communicate with a partner both in their hands and out of their sorry and that it's that it is both in their hands and out of their hands and there was this idea of for me, it was almost like mini revelation of that idea of you're trying to communicate with someone and you're going to only get through halfway. The other half is them and how they're going to experience it and react, right? And so that give and take and remembering that it's 
a dance, I guess. I don't know how right. to describe it. And uh, and it's kind of it's freeing because you you don't have to feel responsible for the other person's experience. Right. So you let go of that control. But I did something with the, with the Friday class that I I hadn't done before when I taught them how to map leg standing. I don't know if you remember that, but at, there are only six people in this particular class because that's the maximum number in that space. And so they they mapped their partner's legs and their partner mapped their legs. And then I said, okay, so let's do that scene with somebody else. So they got to do it two other times because you're talking six people and swinging around. And I sat there and thought, now, why didn't I ever do that before? Because, <laughs> you know, all of a sudden they're coming through all of the trepidation, shyness, all of the human factors that get in the way of connecting with one another, making contact with one another. So and you're referring to the repetition, talking. like the repetition of the experience allowed them to kind of cut through the, the inhibitors. Absolutely. Okay, I have to yeah. be honest. Can I can I just interrupt? I'm a little lost because I didn't go to class with you guys, and I'm not quite sure what's like. What I don't know. So yeah, let me clarify. Okay, <laughs> right. Which is, yeah. if you're not an actor, which you know, I'm I'm sure a lot of our audience is not. Um, how first of all, how does this relate to the civilian world? And um, I, I I'm trying to gleam. So what you guys are talking about is touch somehow getting more familiar with uh, with touch somehow will lead to an opening? I'm not quite sure. Well, since human beings can't survive without touch, and, um, and it, it's so interesting f what comes up these days in class when people start to talk about um, the expectation that it's got to be sexual and sometimes you just want plain human contact without having to put out, mm. without having to deliver. And that's been coming up more and more, which I find interesting because you look around and see how society is reverting. You know, like the pendulum is swinging um, in a direction that's actually... Um, if people get honest, um, making them uncomfortable. Right. That's that's and, really wonderful. And, I, yeah. Go ahead. So so what what happened with my letting people work with one another um, last Friday was they started to really talk to one another. They they didn't need me in the room at that point. <laughs> they were they were getting to know one another and getting comfortable with how they were doing. The work and it was really it taught me a lot because uh, I'm not going to do that every time because that's an early class that they that they learn that. But um, a lot of people that take this course aren't actors. I I get attorneys, I get therapists, um, and social workers, nurses, um, and and I remember somebody saying once. Why why don't we learn this in school? Why aren't we taught this in school? Um, I and I had a well. therapist also say to me, um, "This this is really um, going against the grain of our society." You're uh, I, I I can't think of the word that I want. 
that he said, I know what you're doing here. And I said, what? And he said, it's not devious. <laughs> There's another word. I can't but, think of it um, What? No, I was trying to think. Of, I was trying to help you out, but I can't think of it either. <laughs> yeah, well, it does start with a D, but anyway. It's well, um, departing from convention or the way that we normally. There you go. I, <laughs> that I have works. to say, in, when I did take your class, you know, there was so much um, that came up with with what do I want to say? There, there's a lot of contact in a way that I remember people, some people being very uncomfortable with. Some people, they were overwhelmed and they left the class because they just were like, I didn't know it was going to be like this. And then, and then for me, I was open to experiencing it. But for example, there was one exercise. Is it okay to specify some things? We, yeah. You know, one of them was to actually um, have a partner and, and align your body on top of the other person, like your legs. Face to face. Oh, the bonding. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and this is face to face. Yes, okay. face to face. Not the first day, so don't worry. <laughs> but, but oh no, toward the end of the class. Yeah. yeah, and you know, and you've gotten to know everyone in a way, and uh, and it's understood that it's not sexual. All this, um, and I was, I often reflect on this experience. I had so much fear around um, hurting the person I was resting on, and and I it was very difficult not to constantly shift myself and apologize and ask her, is she okay? Um, which that person kept reiterating, I'm fine. Everything's fine. It's great. Just, you know, release, settle. Um, and so I just wanted to share that. I'm still wrapping. What did you learn about you? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Me? What did I learn see. about me? Oh, that's, that, what did I learn? Is that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, well, that was a huge lesson for me was that hesitation to be present, right? To, to, to feel entitled to exist, kind of, that, that idea of why right. I'm afraid to impress myself on this other person. Right. Or you'll do it wrong. You, you know, you'll fail. You'll be rejected, right. And so, I'm, and so I'm wrapping my mind around going through, uh, so someone going through an exercise like this, uh, releases it reflects back to the body gets back to the body at some point and releases tension right in various areas where we chronically hold it is that what i'm understanding yes and um it also clarifies historical stuff it it it, it affects your thinking um because to realize that having well, first of all, that bonding position is, and I when I talk about it and teach it, I usually say, uh, if we're lucky when we're born, we're placed on our mother's chest. That's what that that position is is the, about. Wow, yeah. And there are lots of there are lots of positions that we can bond in. That happens to be the most powerful because all of your front chakras are connected and what happens you know and sometimes with that exercise people will laugh uh because of the self-conscious aspect and then all of a sudden they'll settle down and everybody starts to breathe eventually as one body yeah, and they'll so. talk about that when it's when it's over and um it's it's really huh, a very powerful experience and a lot of different things happened. He just talked about a lot of levels of learning um, right, about herself. Instance, and then of course the week following and even now. 
Um, I, I had a quick thought on, well, A, did you want to go? I do, but it's a little bit on a different Okay, so let me just vein. touch on, there was, the, you also, there are certain books that you recommend, this kind of thing, but I remember you giving us charts as well about where um, certain, I don't know if you want to call them truths, but about, you know, if you're carrying tension in your right side versus your left side or your shoulder, you know, your left shoulder versus your right, how it can reflect on specific parents or, um, or like issues with, yeah, like that, that if I'm playing with my forefinger a lot, that can mean, you know, uh, I, I don't have it memorized, but specific tension okay, about well, my father. Okay, well, what you're bringing up is the, the information that relates to the right side of the body as opposed to the left side of the body. And also, uh, interestingly enough, I had a session today with the Jin Shin master, and I do do that one handout about the fingers and what they relate to in terms of emotion and and viscera in the body. Um, it's great work. Um, what is a and I worked master? with him today. What? I, I just quickly, a Jinshin master, I'm not familiar. Uh, uh, it's a, a Japanese modality. It's energetic. Um, you lie on the table and you're in, in your clothes. And... Um, it's very, uh, very powerful, but very gentle work. So sometimes um, he had, he was in my ankle, uh, and it was excruciatingly painful. But the other hand was up at his shoulder, and it all of that helped release my hip. Hmm. I just had a, a, a hip replacement just about three months ago, and um, so it's it's fascinating to experience how everything is interconnected. So I guess one of the things that I do when I teach the course is introduce a lot of information to people so that you, that you know that there's a whole world out there. Yes, and I'm wondering if you could illuminate um, to, to, to get... I feel like, because to me, I'm all I'm automatically curious about this topic because I, you know, I've spent so much time working with my body and you know professionally and whatnot. But for the vast majority of people, I feel like the importance and relevance of your work and and posture and our bodies and how we carry ourselves in everyday life kind of goes over our head, you know, and it's not really um, appreciated. And I'm wondering if you could maybe illuminate some specific examples of uh, some issues and how you've seen them directly tied to the body or held in maybe over the years with your students to, to kind of give people an idea how relational this is. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> maybe spark some curiosity in everyone. <laughs> I think we can all relate. Well, we're, we're so early taken away from our body. We're, we are educated in a shame-based system, and uh, we're made to feel less than who we are before we even know who we are. And so, uh, you know, I'm just thinking, uh, when my daughter was in kindergarten, and um, I, I went to pick her up, it was Halloween, and you know how the the wee the wee barons take one step at a time, um, and so this little kid who was in the beginning of the line 
saw me and he said, Rachel did a terrible pumpkin today. Well, I'm looking up at that pumpkin because it's framed. Uh, it looks like two witches over a fire. It's uh, red and black. It's really great. Mm-hmm. Um, but all the other kids did orange pumpkins with, so you know, with the green stem and the leaves, uh, with the triangular eyes. They did the traditional pumpkin, mm-hmm. and. Um, Luckily, the teacher didn't rip it up in front of her in front of the class and make her feel really bad. So there are ways, very simple ways, that we're taken away from our own experience of ourselves. Something like tearing up a a drawing in front of a kid in front of the class can you imagine what that does to your posture? Can you imagine how that makes you sink inside yourself and just feel so terrible? self And then you pull yourself up by your bootstraps and you cover, you front for yourself. You put on a front, you put on a happy face. But that part of you exists inside you so that you literally we literally get um, separated from the truth of our own experiences the truth of who we are by the need to cover it yeah so you said the need to cover it by the need to cover it by yeah by the needs for social acceptance yeah but that that part of us is still wounded inside and I suppose uh, one of the things that I hope to allow people to experience is to reconnect, to integrate, to basically, I think we parent ourselves ultimately, um, to not have to, to live in a split state, that we can become whole, we can... Um, honor and own all of our parts, all of our experiences. And and especially if you're doing the work with me because you're an actor, I have to say you're the common denominator for any character you're going to play. Mm-hmm. So any aspect of yourself that you have disowned, mm. you can't really bring that into the work. It's like when you... Or your life, you're... even. What? Or your life, even, for those non-actors Oh, of course. Absolutely. Well, it, listen, if it's not in your life, it's not going to be in your work. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, let me, so what you just said is really interesting. The parts, the, the parts of yourself that you've disowned, you're not going to be able to bring into your life. And, and I do, and again, and how that's carried in our posture. And I feel like, you know, bringing that back to sexuality because, you know, people are, are coming here for information on that. I feel like it it totally relates to that, too. I mean, there's those parts of ourselves through the story that you just mentioned where we, you know, we disown the parts of ourselves, and then they're also not making it into our relationships or our bedroom in a f- full way. Would be impossible. Would be impossible, yeah. And And we have learned to objectify ourselves and 
there are times, you know, I've had people talk about in class, uh, I want I want contact, I want to be held, but I don't know how to ask for that, and people don't know how to give that, so I end up having sex when I don't want to have sex. I want to have human contact. I want to have a connection mm-hmm. that that feeds me. And then, you know, what might evolve out of that is a lovely sexual experience. But I need to I need to be whole. I need to inhabit my being and own my sexuality and share it because I really desire to do that. I feel comfortable and full and whole and sexual. I'm inhabiting. I'm in my skin. We're talking about what I said earlier about presence, learning to be comfortable. When I'm first teaching people how to come into their hands and touch, I have to ask them, I want you to allow yourself to get in touch with how you feel um, about touching and being touched. A lot of people are much more comfortable touching others than having somebody touch them. Oh, interesting. And I, yeah, and I love it when when people, and, and it's happening, interestingly, earlier, like second and third classes where people are saying, you know what, I really feel comfortable being touched than touching or vice versa, whatever their so reality is. That is happening more often, you find. Say that again? You find that is happening more often, that they are they're saying I prefer to touch other people than to have than to be touched. Well, it eventually comes out whatever whatever one's experience is. I'm finding that it's coming out earlier in the second or third class rather than you know, into the second month of the course. Oh, that's great. So increased awareness or... Yeah. You know, thank you for saying that because it's a desire. There's a desire to be uh, honest, to be real, to be seen, to be heard, to be truthful. Hmm. And I think that's one of the reasons that uh, people are eager to have something of value, something of truth in their life. And you feel like that's something, like a change you've seen over over time, over the years that you've done this? Yeah. Well, even more so now because there's so much fake, silly stuff um, that is part of life. Uh, You know, look at the media, look at... At what's look at what's in store windows. Look at what's in magazines. And Carol, can I just and, clarify? Are, is this all in all different age ranges that you're seeing this? I am. Wow, great. Mm-hmm. Wow. You know, hey, you know that I I have a my granddaughter is going to be 15 in in um, August. And somebody a couple oh, was it a year ago? Yeah, I guess a year and a half, maybe two years ago, Max told me about the book called The Period Book. Do you know this book? No. But okay, I'm, either did I. Wish I knew about reading. it. Wish it Wish it had been written when my daughter was, you know, 13, mm-hmm. uh, 12. Um, and so I got that book. It's fabulous. Oh, you guys, you've got, you got to go buy The Period Book. I'm going to go buy it today. 
these wonderful drawings for little girls to look, you know, they're lying in bed, they've got their knees bent, they're holding a mirror, looking at themselves, learning about their bodies, learning about the function of the body. Um, It covered this book for ostensibly 11, 12, you know, kids that are getting ready to have a period, covered absolutely every subject up to rape. Wow. Wow. And and did it in a way that I just thought, wow, good for you who put this together because it's done with such elegance and such um, just intelligence and compassion so that you don't have to go, oh, we're going to talk about what? Mm-hmm. Everything got talked about in the most easy, acceptable way. Right. And that's that was a great book. And that's that's symbolic of this general trend toward wanting more honesty and uh, transparency. I suppose that you're seeing in your classes to be real. Right. Yeah. We're and, gonna. Well, don't you see it in food too? People are I getting. Do, uh, yeah. Fork to farm to fork and slow food yeah, and right, general, you know people wanting to know what's in their food and, and awareness. Um, go ahead. Wanna, well, I had a question, but uh, I was thinking about this idea of people preferring to touch than to be touched, and um, for me, it's probably the other way around, which is less common apparently. But I, it made me wonder about a show that we'd done earlier this, um, you know, a few weeks ago about. Uh, I, you know, male and female sexuality and, and kind of the general trend in our society for the men to dominate. And, and it just you making that statement about preferring to touch, I wondered if you see much of a, um, much differences in gender and like in your class and how women versus men kind of react to these two experiences. Um, not really. Um, but I think when I'm, if, if I'm more comfortable touching, I feel I'm in control. But I will say this, um, because I had a class not too long ago that was all men. Wow. And, and that, uh, it was just tender and fabulous and wonderful. And because I'm, you know, this gray-haired older lady and not a threat, um, they allowed themselves to just be. And I felt as if, I was working with um, adolescents. Wow. You know, they, they allowed themselves to let go of all of the, you know, the expected, uh, you know, masculine, guy thing. Right, masculine, strong. Uh... Yeah, and they could just be real in in the truth of... Um, other of themselves at other ages, do you know? They, they, they. There was no pretense. They were interested in learning. They were eager to learn. They were eager to share, and and just to watch the changes that took place in their beings, you know. And that includes their bodies, but it includes their emotional life and their thinking. You know, and you find that those. Well, I think we're going to take a mini break, right? Uh, yeah. But but quickly, just uh, the the experience. But do you find that with 
men and women, the experience ends up being less about gender and, and more about a pure human common experience. Absolutely. And you can't remember, you can't have a thought without a feeling or a feeling without a thought. And on that note, we'll take a mini break. We'll be right back with Pushing Boundaries, uh, talking with Carol Reynolds about body dynamics. Good evening. Good Hello. day. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> you are listening to Pushing Boundaries with TNA. And we're back with Carol Reynolds, body dynamics, the way that posture is affecting your emotional life. And physicality. And yeah. Physicality and emotions. Um, Carol, I wanted to touch on, as we, as we close up here, I, you know, I, like I look for areas in well, I don't even know how to get in. So, uh, yeah. What's your problem, eh? <laughs> <laughs> what are you struggling oh, there's with? So many. There's so Carol, many. How can Carol come, you know, help you? Well, I just, so one, I feel like my, li- my life goes through phases of physicality that I look into. And right now, what I find coming up, and actually this has been around for the past few years, maybe couple, and I haven't ever gotten to the root of it, but it's sort of, heightened in like I don't know there's a target focus anyway and that's regarding like I notice that when I walk and yes specifically when I walk that I'm restricting my hips and I and and it's rooted it's in my spine but like the lower part of my spine and hips are seem to be very controlled like I don't feel like I've got this feminine you know swagger from left to right and it's I thought, wow, hmm, that's really curious because, you know, hey, I'm A, so I do have a booty. And I'm also a very, you know, I'm on this sex show. I'm also a sexual person. So it seems kind of strange to me that I would have a restriction there. So I know for me, I I just continue to ask myself, hey, what's going on? And check in and see what kind of answer I uh, that comes up, you know, from my body and into my awareness and I think this is just going to have to be an exploration for myself, and eventually I will come upon, upon the answer. But, Carol, do you have any suggestions of how how to go about start, uh, start that journey, I guess, of self-inquiry well, and looking at these things? If you have tight hips, you're going to have a tight jaw because they're structurally your I jaw do have and a your tight hips jaw. <laughs> are structurally and energetically connected. They're both hinges. And, wow. um if if you can get tea, do you still have any balls, tea? Actually, I yeah. <laughs> oh, she's got balls. <laughs> yeah, thank you. But I I actually still use the ball set that I have. From she this does, class, and I roll on them whenever I'm traveling a lot. You or do. We'll be at conferences where you're walking for like ten hours all day, and my back will hurt. Right. I, I I'm especially prone to these back knots, and I've learned to release a lot of tension, but there's still some there. So I, I do this back alignment rolling on them thing, which A has seen me do, and I make lots of like breath sounds. So you're telling me I need to roll on T's balls. <laughs> but but yeah, but uh, the 
one on the face where you start at the jaw. You know, you, you have your arms on the table. Uh, it's got You're sitting in a chair, and, and you put the ball, relax your jaw, and you put the ball right in the joint area, and you allow yourself to uh, let your head become heavy. And then you ultimately go over the whole face, but I do your that. arms are on the your arms or unarm is on the table so that if you want to move the ball to an area that you can't get to easily you uh, have your hand there to help you but you want to do your whole face because everything is interconnected in chinese medicine you've got all of these connections to different aspects of your system in your forehead cheekbones you want to you want to do the whole face, but my reason initially for for choreographing this ball work on the face was to get into the jaw because it gets a rumor started. So by the time I start to do work in the hips, which I do actually earlier now than I used to, um, you know, there's been a text received. I used to say phone call, but hey, <laughs> that, that um, the jaws times have changed. Right, that the body can start releasing a little more, starting at right. the jaw. Right, right. Wow. Um, and uh, I, I now do a, a, a Feldenkrais exercise. Body dynamics is a poo-poo platter of modalities with a bioenergetic philosophy. Um, and so this, you know, this one particular Feldenkrais exercise opens up the hips in such a profound way, but it's a very gentle, easy exercise. And, um, you know, you open up the jaw, the hips get a message. You open up the hips, you know, they're they're back and forth. They, it's like a teeter-totter. They relate to one another. I was amazed But start how much... to notice your jaw. Yeah. Yeah, no, I have, actually. That, that, it, that has been on my mind, too, um, interestingly. And, Carol, do you have any insight or experience into the trends of tight hips because I, I hear from a lot of body workers that American it's prevalent in American culture that or uh, Americans to have tight hips do, do you I don't know that I've heard that but it there is certainly if if that's something that somebody is doing be it consciously or unconsciously um, you're holding it together you're holding on to feeling because feelings are both physical and emotional. So if I'm holding uh, down the fort, if I'm if I'm holding my hips and my pelvis and my genital area uh, clamped down, I'm controlling an aspect of of my whole self um, in a fundamental way. I'm not a let. I'm not letting myself fully experience my my sexual flow um i don't want to draw attention to myself it could be a a a bunch of things it could be uh when i and i think it's probably going to be unique to each person when i ask myself just because i I, as you're talking i'm like oh yes it's control and i i think for me it's probably and i it's probably related to you know like career and I think there's, you know, that's your creation center too, right? Your hips, my uterus, my, it's like my creative center. Right. And so trying right. to control the direction my career is going and what's happening. <laughs> so I see how helpful it would be to incorporate your work and release 
and start with my job, like do what you're suggesting and maybe take a course of yours and really learn, um, you know, be in touch with my body and learn to let go and release so that I could, you know, maybe I'm not controlling that element of my life so much and open up and see what happens. I, you know, yeah, I, right. Can, I was a, feel safe enough to, to let yourself have those feelings. They're your feelings and they don't have to be shared. I think that that's, where we get so much confusion around, you know, you get sexual feeling and and you feel as if you've got to have sex, and uh, it, you can do that with yourself, you know? Right, create you that don't same have release, to, you mean. You, <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to, you don't have to share that, and it's, and, and, and you don't have to get rid of it either. Sometimes it's like, oh, I've got to get rid of this feeling, it's so intense. Well, it's, it's a life force, isn't it? It's, you know, the, there's a power in that, and to let to let that, that sensation go through your whole body, travel through your whole body. So, uh, you know, T, you could do some vibrational work with. Uh, with a yeah, I can. I, yeah. Well, you know, I think the very first the touching. very first book that Al Lowen wrote is simply called Bioenergetics, all one word. And uh, in it, he demonstrates through some drawings and description some positions that you can just uh, start to work with vibration um, and and learn to let that sensation stream through you. You know, I think when somebody says to me, um, what's sexy? Who do you find sexy? Um, I have found some people so sexy that other people would say, well, he's not even attractive. <laughs> but maybe not to you, thing. okay? Right, but there's some uh, sort of light stay force. Out, stay out of my business. What I find sexy is aliveness. Somebody who is alive and clearly full of piss and vinegar and enjoying life and uh, bathes regularly, of course. <laughs> well, I, I think that's added a fair bonus. added to point, but, but a vivacity. Has shampooed their hair, okay? <laughs> but, you know, that someone who is alive, I go, whoa, what a sexy son of a gun, or, mm -hmm. you know, whatever your preference is. I think aliveness is the key for me. I was amazed you know? how much I learned about anatomy in your class and and kind of all the I mean like you're saying the hips being tied to the jaw this kind of thing it's like I it was a revelation for me to even learn all these bits and sort of muscles and tendons that are connecting everything um that I had no idea about before stepping into your class um and I, I just feel like I guess I wanted to note it to kind of mention people who aren't performers or what you know how it relates to the civilian it's like this is something that is with important. That, yeah, that yeah. awareness. It's it's like the same thing as knowing that you need to floss in between your teeth and like hug the tooth <laughs> instead of hitting the gum, right? Like these things <laughs> Absolutely. That, you know, are just going to improve your daily functioning. It's yeah. really very practical because, you know, however long you're going to be around, that's where you're living. Right, yeah. You know, and we're so afraid of our bodies. Oh, my God. You know, I and and... 
you know, yesterday when I started this one group, it's uneven. So I partnered with someone and I um, I said, do you want me to work on you or do you want, when we change, do you want to work on me? And he decided he wanted to work on me. And um, and we have to talk about, you know, check in. Are you having some issues because I'm the teacher? Um, you know, get it off your chest so you don't bring it into the work. Can I ask you, okay, we're, we're just out of time, but quickly, yep. do you find in your own journey of this, I mean, are you continuing to grow in your work all the time, working with, you all know, like... All the time. And all the time. And I, and I said to the body worker that worked on me today, with every surgery I have, with every injury I have, it's an opportunity to learn so much more about what it is I do. This 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 pattern in my body that was surrounding the demise of my hip, okay, that, that pattern muscularly has been in my body for a really long time, and those muscles did not get the memo that the hip's been repaired. Right. Wow. So now I'm bringing into consciousness and, and kind of saying, it's okay, you don't have to do that for me anymore. All you right. can let go. Thank you, Carol. This has been super informative. Oh, and you're welcome. It has been, and, and, and I hope everyone out there listening, um, just, you know, the next time you're walking or sitting, just, you know, be aware and and listen to your body and know that there's uh, work you can be doing, like with Carol Reynolds, and uh, and learning more about yourself and releasing the tensions that you have been holding your whole life. And... Carol, would you, you recommend can have better sex that way? Too. Yeah, would you, better sex for sure. Carol, can you recommend I don't know resources? I mean, of course, you're based in New York, so through the T Fiber Studio. I'm based in New York. Yep. K. Michael Patton um, Studio. But one of one of the that. one of the people that uh, that is certified as a body dynamics educator is in San Francisco, and and one other person is now teaching in Virginia, um, but otherwise everybody's here in New York. So, um, Lucky New other than looking at the website at Schreiber or checking in with K. Michael Patton, she's talking about uh, you're talking about T. Schri T. Schreiber, right? T. Schreiber dot org. Right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, that otherwise, um, you just contact me directly okay. here in the city. All right. All right, everybody. Carol Reynolds, thank you. Um, Thank is, you, guys. Yeah, this is Pushing Boundaries with TNA. I'm T. And I'm A. So. This is 